Attention listeners, ahead are spoilers. If you do not want these human jerks spoiling the movie, stop the recording, for the rest of you. Do you want to play a game? Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Immediately, the first syllable. Uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are the Movie Trap. Uh, we are here, gonna do a fun show for you today. Uh, we're Listen, going audience, to- I'm gonna force Chris to leave that in. Real quick. <laughs> if you didn't hear that, he took a huge sip of ice water. He has a full glass of ice water. Took a full ten seconds to take a sip, get himself prepared, and the first syllable. <laughs> Not how you yeah. say the word hello. Uh, <laughs> it was a uh, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely correct. It uh, got into the middle of the word and then just the world went away and suddenly we didn't have English anymore. So, all right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Trap. I am Chris. I am one of your hosts among many. Everybody yeah. else, say your name. I'm Russell Carlson. I'm Zach Powers. Uh, in the order that we have prescribed ourselves to say our names. Right. That's well, right. That hey, us. we did it. We did it. <laughs> yeah. It's probably because I didn't have to say my name this time. That's how we managed to make that order work. Uh, well, you had to say it first. That's usually, anyway, mm. doesn't matter. Uh, well, this is our spooky, scary, creepy, crawly, horror <laughs> anthology uh, of terror. And it's the concluding mm-hmm. episode. Uh, That's we're right. With a very summary horror movie appropriate for us in the time we're living in pre-recording this where it's hot as fuck. Mm-hmm. Perhaps yeah. less so for you where it's probably October 30th if you're listening to this on day of release. Yes, yeah, that's right. By, by then, the evil yellow face has probably gone far enough away from the planet not to burn people anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, this will be uh, the last episode before you know the results of the presidential election. So, have fun. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure We're, when this comes out, I won't be sleeping. I'll be very awake. I'll be very aware when this episode comes out. So, hopefully, we'll have sure. good news in the next couple days. And if we have bad news, we're apologies if our next episode is not as grim as it should be, where we'll just be like, <laughs> whatever I mean, we're all clamoring <laughs> and spoilers as always we're all clamoring that we pagans can defeat the christian establishment <laughs> <laughs> well i'd say and like the wicker man you will be watching this mm-hmm. in october and not in august or in may when this movie's supposed to be because apparently it was shot in like the fall and stuff so anyway before we get into all that Borf, why don't you give us a rundown for 1973's the wicker man yes yes sir uh basically here's what's going on um it's a classic whodunit. Um, the uh, uh, the film starts off. We get introduced to Sergeant Neil Howey, um, who is a very, very Christian, very proud, very kind of I would say up uptight uh, mm-hmm. individual um, who goes to the island. He has to come in on a seaplane. You get the sense that this is a very difficult to get to island that's very remote. Um, it's off the coast of Scotland. And uh, essentially what goes on is he starts going around um, asking for uh, Rowan. He's come to the island seeking um, a child who was reported missing to him. And as he's going through it, uh, people keep saying Rowan doesn't exist. We don't know anybody named Rowan. Um, He has a photo that he keeps introducing to people and they all say, no, we don't know this person. We've never seen this person. Um, The investigation eventually leads him past a bunch of really surreal, strange things. uh, one of the details I should point out is he's also staying at sort of a local hotel slash pub. The um, Green Man. Of it, yeah, called the Green mm-hmm. Man. Um, which I think is a, it's also a, a Celtic reference. But <laughs> as, as they get into it, sure. it becomes an explosion of sort of Celtic surreal imagery as he's trying to do his like straightforward investigation where like he goes past like a whole field of people. Like his first night there, I believe, he goes fa- past a whole field of people having sex openly in the air, in slow motion, in a way that's very kind of weird. Like maybe that was something common in the '60s, but right. Or 70s, I was about to say, but like prude, prude cop who doesn't like the love generation. 
Yeah. yeah, basically. Yeah, he's been set up very much as the the straight man to this loosey goosey everybody kissing everybody community. Uh, he's going around. He's trying to search out this child. Um, he does a number of different kind of odd things. Like he starts investigating different places. He uh, finds that there's a bunch of old photos um, of various May queens that have been uh, shown over the years. Um, they introduce that a lot of children are like building a maypole, um, and that there's a whole elementary school, and that it's the Celtic training goes way back to like when they're kids. So this is something that isn't like a brand new weird thing going on. This is something that's like a tenant of the whole community. Um, and then, um, he finally finds that there's a grave. Like, he finds the one piece of fact that he can get that proves this child existed, because he's found a grave for Rowan. And to him, he thinks that if he can prove that this uh, grave is empty, um, or if this grave has a body in it, he can find out what happened to this child, and he kind of close the case. If it's a murder, he'll find out, or what's going on. So, uh, to that end, he winds up going and meeting with Lord Summer Isle, who's played by Christopher Lee. Uh, Christopher Lee, um, uh, I think a lord in this case is sort of like the local mayor. I'm a little foggy on English law. Yeah, I, he's I, descended I from the people who seemed to have established uh, this island community, or at least very, at the very minimum, the uh, the means of their economic survival. Yeah. Right. That's kind of what happens when he meets him. He sort of, he briefly turns into like a, uh, like a Morrowind or like a like an EverQuest NPC, and he just, like, dumps a whole that's right. pile yeah, that's of funny. background yeah. story about the island. Right. Here's he my grandfather. Like, yeah, here's my you grandfather. Yeah. He goes into, like, the economic history of it. He sure. goes into, like, why they're all Celtic now, and he essentially explains... He explains that it is, um, like, a function of the economy to sell apples to people on the island. Like, his grandfather invented an apple that would only grow on the island... And then somehow it got conflated with the whole religious arc of it. And then the entire island eventually did away with Christianity and turned full Celtic old religion again. And this all like kind of feeds into what the uh, inspector they saw is thinking. He's everything say. that was going on with the IRA. They said, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do our own stuff. Now. Well, at this point, if they founded it during the Victorian era, I think Scotland was still sorting itself out with the yeah, way the true. United Kingdom was sorting it out with yeah. Queen Victoria at the time, if I'm not mistaken, which I very much could be. Um, but yeah, there, there is the whole movie is this sort of clash of cultures, isn't it? Um, that's, yeah. that's pretty much what it what it is um and they're telling that it's again from europe they, they've had one or two of those maybe in history um yeah well it's been kind of odd in this one because um the islands themselves are uh essentially they are on the west side of the entire uh country and they also are like split up enough so that they get further and further out so it becomes really really hard to get to so you have to imagine that for us this would be like going into the appalachians or some strange, off-the-cusp, like, rural community that is just completely taken away from everybody I else. Have a, I, have a, I have a point of comparison for this that's a little interesting, but I, I do want to save it until uh, until we conclude the, the, the rundown of the plot of this film. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically, uh, what goes on, he goes to meet with Lord Summerisle. Lord Summerisle says, uh, go ahead and dig the body up, I don't care. Um, the inspector then goes, digs the body up, but inside the grave, rather than finding a child or anything reasonable, he finds a rabbit, or specifically a hare, and, uh, then brings it back, it's, of course, dead, um, presents it to Lord Summerisle, and Lord Summerisle says, you know, I don't, I don't know what I can do for you, it's a, that's a weird thing that a grave would have a hare in it. And uh, essentially, the uh, inspector goes completely wild trying to figure out what is happening. Um, goes back to the hotel, I believe, um, and breaks into or finds the photo. He somehow comes. I believe across it's the, the postmaster. I believe it's yeah. it's May Morrison's uh, little postmaster slash candy shop or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, he breaks in and finds the photo of Rowan uh, surrounded by a uh, entire harvest of failed apples. And he assumes yeah, now that Yeah, there's very few, happened, compared to mm -hmm. the other May Queen photos, there's very few crops. Yeah. yeah. So the assumption for him at that point is that somebody on the inside was trying to get him to come and save this child and has reported it in some way. And he's supposed to go get her. And uh, so he then plans on doing that. However, at night... He um, believes... Specifically, that during their big May Day celebration, 
because certain uh, pagan or Celtic uh, communities think that a sacrifice will bring the crops back, Rowan has been stowed aside, is still alive, and is scheduled to be killed on May Day as human sacrifice. Yes. Is the conclusion uh, he comes to. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's the it's the simplest one based off all the information he's been handed. Of course, there's going to be human sacrifice. This this uh, ghost child that I think exists definitely exists. Um, right. So what happens is, is the next morning he is awoken abruptly uh, after a brief interlude where I think the landlord's daughter tries to sleep with him again by sort of doing a sexy dance and slapping on the walls. Mm. Um, Don't forget about the then, jaunty tune. Yeah, yeah. And then he uh, is awoken abruptly by a hand of glory, which is a wax-covered hand that has been turned... It's a human hand that has been turned into a candle, and it's burning at the edge of his bed, and he's just a real abrupt awakening, goes downstairs, eventually knocks out, I believe, the innkeeper, steals the innkeeper's costume for Mayday, and goes completely rogue. Coincidentally, that costume is the fool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Punch Punch. the fool. Uh Uh-huh. So then uh, he goes door to door, essentially ransacking people's houses that uh, don't have anyone home right then uh, to see if he can find out where Rowan has been hidden, I believe. And then uh, is eventually finds himself riding or running around with the May Day parade itself, which has a couple scary moments and a couple fake outs where you think he might get his head cut off. Um, but at the end, he finally finds Rowan and... Uh, kidnap or uh excuse me doesn't kidnap her he rescues her and uh in the middle of it there is a back and forth he runs through a little island side cave out to the water and uh when he gets out there uh he is abruptly surprised by the reveal that rowan was leading him to a group of people who then abruptly kidnap him push him inside of a wicker who are lord summer isle and and the whole village is there and that this whole thing was a ruse to get you here because you're a a virgin cop who represents the king and who's yeah. a fool who you know thinks you're going to save them christian they... ideals and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah 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 so essentially he uh he has been leading himself uh to this point and the whole town has uh, pulled the wool over his eye and then uh, over his eyes and then he is shoved into a wicker man that is uh set up for him and uh the end of the film is literally the wicker man on fire burning as he's screaming and the general kind of creepy coda that uh, if the apples fail next year they'll probably shove christopher lee into the wicker man himself the end it's it's a positive you know positive outlook um no i and and the the wicker man is gigantic i mean it's a huge hulking thing with also right yeah with all these different little animals like baby animals in it and shit um yeah and and that's that that is the climax of the movie it's the only point where you really kind of feel terror, you know, that, that yeah. where you really are like, yeah. this is There's fucking nuts. There's creepy things, but like, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, but it, the it, scene where he actually dies is like, it, he starts by reciting verse from the Bible and then eventually begins to scream at the villagers about how insane they are and then eventually just screams in pain as the fire mm-hmm. overtakes them. And then he silences down and you see like the wicker man start to crumble with the sun behind it it's a very well done sequence mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. very well shot too apparently the the director and the director of photography didn't get along but they hired him because they knew he could get that <laughs> shot which in that case well worth it um but the whole movie like we were kind of talking it is a kind of dissection of culture and religion mm-hmm. both ancient and otherwise you know because you brought I, I, up that 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 image of the cop with the naked people it, mm-hmm. it, it considering how not far removed we are from the love generation i wonder how much of a commentary that and how much that really did resonate with audiences because of that and it's considering when it was released in 1973 probably yeah um this one had kind of a strange release history um i don't know how much you guys did in the i I kind of dig some digging on it it does sound very convoluted and complicated and a lot of hands and a lot of different pots um you know, and, and, and again, the fact that it was the B-side to Don't Look Now is just quite risible. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's actually doubly a problem. I think that Don't Look Now and this being paired back to back is super. I think I think there's a lot uh, that those films have in common. I also think Phantasm has a few things in common with them, too. But in particular, um, and I might have mentioned this last episode, but I can't remember. Uh, 
when you look back on it, it's very clear and has been admitted by the director that in terms of uh, one of the three biggest names of modern horror coming up right now, Ari Aster, mm-hmm. uh, Hereditary was deeply influenced by Don't Look Now, and Midsummer was obviously oh, deeply influenced mm-hmm. by You the can draw Man. a straight line. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is... It, like, Midsummer's The hang-up isn't really, like, religion or a clash of cultures, really. It's more of her and a, a dealing no, with grief. No, it's a different and, theme. Yeah. He does a different theme with the same idea. Right, but, but there are very similar ideas that are the Yo, same. Absolutely, and yeah. Part 100%. of that is because some of these terms are common in pagan cultures, like May Queen or whatever the yeah. symbology of the people in like an animal costume yeah. or what have yeah. you. Yeah, but yeah absolutely. Still. With like with Ari Aster's thing, it was also like the whole um, sort of odd cultish uh, remote community that's cut off from the whole outside world. So yeah, it's very clear to see there would be a link between those two. Uh, well, and, and also not just not just that both both Midsummer and, and this movie, the sense of danger. It's also in the way it's shot. Now, our Midsummer, mm-hmm. they directly take drugs and trip acid and trip mushrooms and shit. So this movie, this, but it's shot like an acid trip. I mean, it, it the way you kind of get in these kind of weird waves of comfort and discomfort and then completely offended to the point where, and, and then by the end of it, it's sheer terror and panic and paranoia. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 whereas in, in Midsummer, you, they take the drugs. This movie is more inducing the drug to you. Yeah. Um, but the goals I think are also different not to go into Midsummer too much, but, this is yeah. a man who is going to be the protagonist is a man who is going to be consumed by this cult and the protagonist I mean in that movie is also someone who's going to be consumed by this cult but not physically <laughs> not the way you think yeah right? well it yeah. seems like it's also a difference in terms of the scale of what's happening because in one film it feels like it's very much more a sense of uh, his mores being challenged and in the other film uh, Midsummer, it's it's a far more uh more psychological and more inflected yeah. by I think like pop sci uh, sort of understanding of what her horror is. And I also think that I'll be honest, like overall in terms of talking about themes, probably I'd have more to say about Midsummer than this film at the yeah. end of the day. Hmm. I've, I've talked about it with my girlfriend quite a lot, but I think that's a discussion we could save for another yeah, day. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 for sure. But uh, this, this one, yeah. I one thing about this one that's kind of funny is the writer. Like, did there are many different versions of this film. I should ask, when you guys watched, did it say Ari Schaefer's yep. Wicker Man? Okay. I can't remember. Yeah. It was, it's, it, I watched the one on Netflix. Gotcha. Because it's the writer, not the director. Right. Which is kind of an unusual flip on these. But I think it's because of how this one got put together. Because it's obviously Christopher Lee's star vehicle, even though he only appears yep. like towards One of his end. most famous roles probably yeah. of his entire career. I think it's one but, of his uh, best. I, I actually well, he, agree I with his worked, opinion. Supposedly he worked for free on this one. And it's like yeah, the only way amazing. they got this film made was because he worked for free and a bunch of other people worked for free. But he the, was a big fan of uh, the writer. And that's kind of one of the things. Because it's strange because this one, you often think of like Robin Hardy and sort of the director as having the auteurship, that whole theory. But this one's really the flip of that because Ari Schaefer was a playwright. So I think that's how uh, he must have met Christopher Lee and how they got involved. Because it was like Christopher Lee and then them came together and they were like, we want to work together. And then he wrote, he found a novel called Ritual and then they kind of turned it into a thing. But uh, if, I, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, I think Sleuth was kind of yeah. Schaefer's kind of introduction into Hollywood, you know, because that was his play. And then it was turned into an Olivier Michael Caine movie. Cannot yeah, find yeah. that movie anywhere, by the way. Cannot find that fucking no, movie anywhere. Really? I tr- well, it's not I, anywhere I, on streaming. You have to order I, the DVD could, or the Blu-ray. I um, could potentially find it. We'll, we'll talk about that. Right, later. But, but, uh, uh, but, the, uh, but he, Frenzy was also one of his like right, the Hitchcock movie. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and he so it's not like he, this was like his first four way into making a movie. But this is one of the ones that, yeah, from what I read, it sounds like this was Christopher Lee's sort of like he, this is one of his passion projects um, that he yeah. really believed that he was really wanted to play this character. And good for him because he really did a really good job. It was very difficult to be for one the delivery by Christopher Lee you can't be because he's just got that great fucking voice uh, but yeah. also to be seemingly benevolent and benign but mm-hmm. also very menacing and very yeah. you know like he's got it, I, I, both as Christopher Lee's an interesting case because both as a performer uh, his style is very unique and, and, and difficult to be replicated but also as 
an individual. His story is so unique that he's this weird yeah. spy Nazi hunter turned <laughs> yeah. actor turned yeah. late aged metal artist. Yeah, who who's, was best friends with Peter Cushing. Yeah, like all who was also a descendant of Charlemagne. It's kind yeah. of crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like a he's like a very unique figure, just culturally that like. It's almost like who he was in person uh, can't help but bleed into how you perceive him on the screen. Yeah, uh, yeah. very true. Very, and also credit to, to Edward Woodward too, to, to the, who played the kind of the opposite of him in, in our main, in our hapless cop, yeah, who or hapless prudish cop who doesn't like sex or nudity or any of that thing of that like. Um, yeah, he, you know, he was he, like playing like a uh, a wild uh, police detective at the time. That's why, uh, that's why I, I'm baffled they try to remake this movie. Mm-hmm. Like it literally makes my jaw oh. drop. You know, Have like you, uh, we we could talk about it a little more later. Have either right. of you seen the remake? I haven't seen no. it in quite some time. I think I watched oh. it as like. Like a college prank. I have um, indeed seen it. Okay. Um, the author and possibly director, but I, th- I think both. It is both. Is Neil Abute. Now Neil Abute is someone who had some success in the playwriting world for a while. Um, he wrote the screenplay. His biggest success was probably that that movie that was. Uh, an early Aaron Eckhart movie. It might have been called like In the Company of Men. Oh yeah, in the in the in the Company of Men. But it was where one uh, that was the film with Aaron Eckhart and another character where that it was two men led by Aaron Eckhart, sort of predating on a deaf woman. Correct? Something of that nature. I have not actually seen it, but I've heard it's his best work. That said, almost everything he's done in at least the past twenty years. Uh, has been almost unanimously considered uh, by the uh, film and or theater community to wreak a very intense misogyny. And the Wicker oh. Man remake is no exception. I, I that doesn't shock because like in the remake, the Christopher Lee character is played by Ellen Burstyn. Now Ellen Burstyn's right. a fine actress. It's, it's She's an a all fine actress. female cult. Yeah. Um, in the remake, but, it's like a, oh. a women-led cult. That is like trying to destroy men, but it like or takes place in the states, right? It takes place in like in the United States. Yeah, I think it's some island off yeah. the sea and I, coast. I, 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 yeah, it's no. not it's not otherness enough. Uh, yeah. this one, I think this one's kind of special because it, um, you know, it was in contrast to everything else that was at the time. Like you know, uh, Christopher Lee and uh, uh, they were all making Hammer films. Right. And yeah. Hammer films right. were like very, very gothic and very kind of regimented. And a lot of them almost were as like, uh, I would say, as oh, uh, pra- pragmatically designed. <laughs> there we go. That's a good. Set. There you go. That's that pragmatic. Yeah. You could say, yeah, you could say inexpensive and easy to move. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so this one's like the other extreme of that, because it was like almost like a high art film sort of yeah. because it had, you know, a very classy presentation, mm-hmm. but it was hated at the time. Like mm. when this, I'm not too like the, surprised. I'm not surprised by that at well, all. And the problem is, is that it was owned by British Lion. There's a guy named Peter Schnell, uh, who was originally like part of the Three Musketeers getting the film done. It was Ari Schaefer, Peter Schnell, and Robin and Hardy working together. Well, at one point, like another person came in and bought out British Lion. Um, it was another company. And this other company had been doing like really high key slapstick comedy fare. So they had this film suddenly that's like a intense, like, you know, horror film. And they fired uh, Schnell after the film had been done, and they didn't want to release that because it didn't make any sense for their company. So they couldn't find anybody else to buy it. They kept trying to go different places. They eventually wound up selling it partially, or tempting uh, Roger Corman to. I was buy about it. to, uh, Boref, you just got a point, which, buddy. Which <laughs> just even I was going to wait. I mean, it's a funny piece of history because um, Roger Corman ends up saving the movie at one point. That's, a, that's like, pretty fucking yeah. funny. Yeah, like all the copies had gotten burnt and destroyed except for Roger Corman's. And so Roger Corman, who didn't end up distributing the movie, was the guy who did it. And then, you know, but he still all, had uh, like the original cut. Yeah. The, the, yeah, that's so I yeah. mean, I, you could say a lot about Roger Corman and I could say plenty, uh, yeah, but yeah. you can't deny he is an odd 
uh, cornerstone of the fill of the 70s, bridging the 50s to the 70s. You can't deny mm-hmm. his 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 legacy. Um, and this movie is actually oddly no exception, but even that he didn't. Uh, he just kept the original and didn't fucking touch it. So yeah. good for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's crazy because it's like the first like independent horror film sort of because mm. it wasn't owned by a company. Like the company killed it and that's why it was eventually a double bill like you guys are talking about right. with Don't Look Now because they just were like shuffling it off. Honestly, but, I think uh, it served yeah. it pretty well. I think I think having yeah. a double bill between that and Don't Look Now, I think mm-hmm. it actually served it pretty well. Both movies actually served pretty well because they're both very arty. They're both very yeah. kind of like in these weird not really a dreamscape. I mean, I, I think Wicker Man's a little bit more straightforward in that it's, it, like you said, kind of a whodunit mystery, but it's... Yeah. The the way his degeneration into sort of accepting it and then just being Captain America and I'm going to go save the girl, God damn it. Um, <laughs> you know, like outside of official business, I'm going to clunk the guy on the head would become a clown. Um, it, it Whereas, like, Don't Look Now relies on the film itself to sort of like convey the the telepathy and the esp this one's pretty mm-hmm. straightforward surprisingly like you say you even yeah. have the whole christopher lee exhibition speech well you see cap lieutenant mm-hmm. uh, we've been doing this for centuries um you know yeah anyway. they and they do a lot of like the best like whodunit stuff where they quadruple double check that you understand right this is a hint yeah. and a clue <laughs> yeah. and a false right mm-hmm. i have a question for you guys though why do you think this one stands up so well since it is a whodunit because most of the time with whodunits like the suspense is broken by whodunit because it becomes I, an intellectual question by the end. I don't think that. Uh, I don't know. You, you you describe it as whodunit, but part of me is like, is it? Because like I, when I watch this movie, the degree to which I give a shit about what happened specifically to Rowan or where she is, is deeply secondary to just figuring out the nature of this community and the weird way they are clearly at the worst manipulating and preying on this guy and at the best at least inscrutable to him that's like and that's I, yeah. I i completely agree with you that's why the the whodunitness of the mystery doesn't really come about where the fuck happened to rowan morrison what really that becomes what is going on with this goddamn island? Like, yeah. what is happening with these people? And the that, becomes, that happens almost immediately. With the Rowan yeah, thing at a that happens point. almost immediately. I want it. Pretty much chops the head off when he goes and visits the school, and they're learning about penises or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like Captain Fucking Cop Christian can't stand that, and he's like, "Go say something," because <laughs> um, everything offends me. Um, uh-huh. and it, it it you know that's why I, I and also I, I I've got to say you know the. We, the music in this movie um, because it does kind of teeter a little bit towards the musical theater side. It uh, is quite a bit. Um, there are, Shannon was, I watched this with my girlfriend Shannon and she counted, I think she said seven original songs and she was like, you write two more, put this on stage. Like you give, you give the yeah. cop like a hellfire from Hunchback and Notre Dame number. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah, give Lord basically- Summer Isle like, yeah, uh, like a fun look to Jekyll and Hyde. I need to uh-huh. know that kind of thing. Yeah, it'll be great. And you got a musical. Yeah, on your hands, that's baby. true. That's true. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, well, it was also funny because it was written sort of as a musical on the back end. I watched. A, I'll send you guys this and I'll put it in the show notes. There was a documentary on the making of this thing, but they had to pre-record all the audio so that they could time it up when they were shooting. So they already had all the songs going in. So it was like very much like you guys are just saying. It was something where they had written the song for the movie, not trying to adapt a scene for a song that was written outside the movie. So Well, yeah, they like formed a band for this movie. Like they they like this was and then they just all smoked weed and just giggled a lot. Um, you know, and it it, it is because you could tell it's a little experimental. It's it kind of is like a folky Celtic feel, and then like this psychedelic guitar comes in, you know, and then it's sort of all these people yeah. are singing and then they're naked and you're like, it, it is <laughs> like I said, this movie's like kind of an acid trip, you know? And that's why yeah. I, I never really knew. I mean, I always, I, I always thought, so one of my favorite bands of wearing the shirt neurosis, they, uh, they chose the, the, the climactic image of the film as a title for their 1990 album souls at zero. I always thought it was just burning man or some bullshit, but I didn't know it was from this movie. <laughs> um, and I should have known cause they literally sample a bit of Christopher Lee's speech in the fucking album. So, so, yeah. so much for my this super fan in, status. 
what's funny because this one like a lot of music references this film like i think probably because it's like both kind of a goth yeah or, like, i think it's an iron maiden movie. song too yeah but but there's also like um blood ceremony which is like mm. a surprisingly soft 70s style uh i would almost say jethro Tull style seven. band yeah yeah yeah, yeah they lead the the, yeah, they cover the final the, song in this movie as one of their big songs i kind of wish as, someone would do a cover album of the whole thing as much well, as uh, the actual um, themes might be more in line with like something that death metal might cover or some of the certain lines, the music itself is like Vashti Bunyan, like mid sixties <laughs> folk shit. Yeah, right. But it, it is, it's the beginning of the seventies, right? So they're still having like this kind of weird psychedelic rocks already kind of been a thing now to, to sort of kind of mold that into two into the narrative of the film really um i thought was pretty impressive um i could see why a lot of musicians appreciate this um the soundtrack because it's pretty good well it's also so frank like a lot Mm. of the 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 writing in this and a lot of the music was based off a bunch of the research that i guess robin hardy was doing like right they're like from the 1300s yeah he had like a heart attack or something and they said his wife requested that he not be allowed to go out and do like strenuous labor so they put him on a uh, a research gig for this where he was researching it with Ari Schaefer and I guess they came up with a bunch of the things like the uh, the wicker man and the rest of it um, but that was part of the thing was him doing research into these old things so all those songs were all sort of based off old like um, I think there was actually a poet they worked with who rewrote those songs specifically incorporating some of the research that had occurred yeah I mean, at least a couple yeah. of them are very, yeah, traditional Celtic songs, um, which is uh, interesting. I mean, like a lot of the terms are definitely things that I think are genuinely adapted from old pagan and Celtic traditions. Uh, one thing I was going to mention is I haven't gone to this in a few years. The deep in the mountains in a town called Crested Butte, there is a end of fall festival called Vinatok, which involves the trial of the green man versus the grump which is a public trial everybody's quite drunk um it's in the streets um and there's also the most pregnant woman in the town is again the may queen uh and it ends with a grump which is a giant 20 foot tall effigy being dragged down main street to an empty lot and burned in a fire and it's extremely like the Wicker Man. This is before Midsummer came out. And it's mm-hmm. just so like directly. And I don't think it's like meant to be. This is our riff on the Wicker Man. I think it's truly like these are just how pagan festivals tend to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's well, it's there's also a lot of mushrooms old... going around. Oh, so. yeah, I'm sure. That's why I could. I mean, like it must be depending on where you can fall in this psychedelic journey it could either be enlightening this is another difference i think with midsummer because i think the character actually had catharsis whereas you know poor howie never gets catharsis he's he's doomed um you know like and that's why it it, it again sort of like an acid trip you could either have catharsis or or dread and terrible well i don't i don't know if he actually gets uh i think he might get catharsis because he dies like for him okay okay i love that yeah. line too and I, that's why i really like that this movie is more of a dissection about religion and culture ancient mm. and otherwise because christopher lee's pitch to him is like you should be celebrating this death you're gonna do you know how rare it is to die a christian martyr in the 70s you know like yeah. this it, it i thought it was pretty it's more of a commentary about religion in general you know yeah, like yeah. you know and that's why it's it's super cool well, that's why I, I think this one stands up for me because of that. Like, there's so many times you go back and you look at things from this era and there'll be some sort of a thing just sticking out like a sore thumb. Like, you go into The Omen and it's fine. It plays for an atheist right up to a point when suddenly they they reveal, nope, God's real. It's a whole thing and it takes away any sort of fun with that one. But this one, you can watch it straight and just, you know, assume that everyone's crazy because they're all religious. And, you know, well, yeah, it seems real weird that you guys eat little discs of bread that you, right. you say, say is, is a body, body of right. your Christ. That's, right. that's a weird cannibalism thing. Yep. I don't understand that. 
Yeah. You're going to literally pay a carpenter $3,000 to build something that you're just going to bury in the ground and forget about forever because that's what they say is going to happen at the resurrection when he comes back. So you you want to be uh, uh, toxic hazardous waste that's been put into the the ground (laughs) water (laughs) in the aquifer. You want to become hey, Okay. So it's written in the good book. (laughs) <laughs> that's right <laughs> and, and, and so that to Zach's point I guess he's right that it does kind of have a bit of a shade of phantasm in it about how we treat the dead you know and and, and what yeah. we do with the dead you know Cause anyway I think um, uh, yeah I, I think it's a great companion for the other t- I think all three of these worked well together not just because they're deeply 70s but because like 70s horror as a thing I mean these are some of the less dis- I mean Wicker Man is probably the most famous of the three Probably. But um, but these are like not the most discussed horror films of the 1970s. Right. And, and, and this one is and, and, and only one out of the three was like meant to be scary. You know, like I think Phantasm was more of traditional sort of horror movie like you would yeah. see a horror movie. Don't Look Now and certainly Wicker Man are very much like a thriller in the intellectual mode yeah, yeah. psychological <laughs> horror yeah. yeah definitely more don't look now the wicker man because wicker man is still does kind of have a through line then there's a plot that follows you know it kind of pulls a wool over your eyes and you kind of take the punch at the end but it's still pretty straightforward i do think there's just i mean there's aspects of it's well recorded there's so many aspects of 70s filmmaking that are just the wild west of filmmaking mm-hmm. i think the three movies we have here particularly in the order we watch them represent like three uh, two composing uh, opposing ideas of, of how that that filmmaking can work or not work and then a synthesis where it kind of works together so you've got mm-hmm. phantasm where it is absolutely <laughs> bonkers buck wild <laughs> random shit happens because nobody like knew how to mm-hmm. make a movie yet. Right. Yeah, right and then but the scary balls <laughs> and then don't look now which is a very low-key gentle like by modern standards extraordinarily slow film uh-huh. uh that you know, comes to its conclusion, but is like trying to be like a, a dream or a riff on a theme. And then you have this, that's something of a mix between the two where you get mm-hmm. random crazy shit happening and it works in the universe of the film. It doesn't seem completely pointless. And at the same ta- time seems to be like trying to make a thematic point. And I think it was very, uh, I don't know. It's almost like those two movies blended together to make this third one for me in some <laughs> regards. Yeah, no, it's... It, it's it's Borf, funny you talk about it. Well, it's just, it's really funny that you kind of talk about the length thing and the fact that it's like uh, fairly to the point, not boring, because I guess there was like 40 minutes or something that got lost from this film, mm. um, which occurred due to it, it. That whole thing I was talking about, it was a complicated thing. The actual... the Several the handoffs. From this, yeah, the negatives from this film are like part of the M4 motorway in England at this point. Yeah, like they got yeah, thrown right. away, turned into rubbish. Yeah, they anyway. It, 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 the, the chain of custody the, of this movie, I think, mm-hmm. was a big problem with the way it's sort of terse, you know. Yeah, but but it's weird because that kind of helped it out. Like the the perfect version was sort of the slightly longer version that um, they had from I think they found uh, in like. 2000 something like I, I think it was that late like they eventually mm. found an answer print but uh in the current length it's kind of perfect like I yeah I think the length it, works great I, for it yeah I guess there were whole scenes in which uh Lord Summer Isle was talking about apples like there were long the long long sequences where he was just lovingly talking about apples yeah. and other things uh one scene that I missed that it would have been nice to have seen would have been the one that it set up why he ended up on the island in the first place because I hmm. guess there was a thing where he gets in some of the cut footage, he gets a card with the picture inside uh, personally addressed to him. So it's okay. like someone picked him out of a crowd and then that kind of sets up the whole thing yeah, rather than that just being the... would be the a sort of, totally fair inclusion because yeah. clearly they have chosen this guy intentionally. Yeah. yeah. It's also one of those things where I wondered the entire time, like, why aren't any other cops showing up? Why is it yeah, the, right? I, I thought anyone. that they usually send yeah. a partner. You at least get yeah. another person. You know, there's yeah. usually yeah. another cop going with you, it's especially if you're going that remote. Slightly explained. Like, obviously, like, the he tries to leave on a plane at a certain point and is uh, interrupted from pursuing <laughs> that goal. Marooned, right, yeah. Yeah, with the islanders on the 
on the mainland and their animal masks for the first time, like <laughs> popping up over the over the brick right. walls. That's where he's getting his plane. I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, yeah, that's why I think that um, you know the 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 short the briefness of this movie. I was surprised of how how short it was because I, I, I it's rare for me to say this, but I could have I could have gone for a little bit longer. I wouldn't have mind a little bit more of a atmosphere because I felt like that end montage where he's like going through all the houses and stuff I felt that a pretty jarring and almost comical in some ways you know Mm -hmm. it just felt like more like I understand why they did it because you know you're trying to ramp up to the climax but I don't know I could have I like I said it's rare for me to say that I rarely rarely say that but for this movie I probably I'd have been okay with it yeah if done right I mean if it's just a soliloquy about apples I, I doubt it but um yeah, it's just one of those things. It's always interesting when you look at like how a film comes together, like what was intentional versus what just occurred due to uh, the need uh, to cut something. It's the beauty of so, the yeah. art form. Beauty of the art form. Um, yeah, that's why I think this movie. Uh, I not only can I believe they they tried to they made us they remade this movie, but they even tried to do a sequel. Um, and all the descriptions of the sequel that I saw were oh, very very not like impressive. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, why talk- why make a sequel? You, you feel like you kind of wrap the- this up. Are you talking about the wicker tree? No, not even that. Because I think even Schaefer wrote like it's called like the the oh, the, the Lambeth Worm the, or whatever. And there's actually a dragon or some shit. Um, oh got, god, I didn't yeah. actually read any of that. I I only knew that the the produced film after this was the one that Robin Hardy put out. I think when I was like wrapping up college, it was like in twenty something. Anyway, it was called the Wicker Tree. and it was essentially the same story except in place of the two. Um, uh, in in place of the inspector, they instead had two cowboys for Christ, like uh, <laughs> kids from Texas, who uh, essentially go through the exact same story. Uh, I think Laddie, which is the name that one of the characters has that I think is common over there, but not super common in Texas. Uh, Laddie was uh, sacrificed, I believe, in that one. Uh, and then the rest of the film's trying to figure out what happened to Laddie. Right, yeah. From yeah I, I, I just say, like, you kind of wrapped up everything I need to know about this. Like, what's, I yeah, mean, I, 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 I don't we know got, what, we got the, the, well, I mean, it's not, I don't think this, there is an element of this that is a mystery film, even if I don't know if the who done it is at the heart of it. And at the end of this movie, the mystery is revealed. Yeah, like, like it, it's, <laughs> it is satisfyingly concluded. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say, boy, they got out of those costumes rather quickly, didn't they? Um, <laughs> expert makeup wiping off yeah. by Christopher Lee. Um, yeah, that was it, one of those things where I was like, I wonder if they cut something out, and that might explain why they got changed so quick. Or I hope like not. Just go with it. Them just taking it. Nobody off. cares. <laughs> Nobody cares but me. I, I mean, I don't blame them, but uh, you know. Anyway, I, 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 I think that. You know, you, you kind of what more variations on this theme do you honestly need to go after? You know, I mean, I think you kind of you kind of put a, it ends. Wicker Man, sunset, roll credits and a movie. I don't really need mm-hmm. to know what happened the next year or the next hundred years. Yeah, I agree. Or the previous hundred years, which is why I'm glad we don't have scenes about Christopher Lee talking about apples. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, this was like just the start of Schaefer. He off he went off and did a bunch of like Agatha Christie things, like scripts um, mm-hmm. of the films. So it was he essentially just turned into a whodunit writer. And then uh, Robin Hardy did one other film called The Fanaticist, which I think mm-hmm. was like a a crim, crime movie. And then he eventually did The Wicker Tree, uh, which was the thing I just described. And that was it. That was the only, like, theatrical directing stuff he did. Right. And I don't think Woodward did too much outside. I mean, he was always a television. He was a creature of television. And I don't think he ventured very far from that, except he had a brief cameo in yeah. Hot Fuzz, which is nice. Um, yeah. But, well, because uh, cr- he was uh, he was also in The Equalizer, I think. Or, well, no, yeah, in Hot that, Fuzz, it was a direct reference. Sorry. In Hot Fuzz, it was probably a direct, direct reference, reference to, to Equalizer. The uh, Wicker Man. Sorry, right. Yeah, that's man. true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It is because it's a whole weird villain anyway. Um, and that's why I think that it, it's nice. Christopher Lee was already pretty well established by the time this movie yeah. came out. I mean, he'd been making movies for 100 years at that point. Um, and but I, I again, I think it is one of an alt. If you're a fan of Christopher Lee and you have not seen this movie, you don't know how much of a fan of Christopher Lee you are. He does. Um, uh, fair warning. I was almost surprised. I'd forgotten how far into the movie we go before Christopher Lee uh, actually actually mm-hmm. makes his cameo especially because i feel like he, almost more so than the cop the thing people remember about this movie is is lord summer isle mm-hmm. 
uh, in his well, mansion. It's like it's like, uh, it's like Anthony Hopkins in uh, Silence of the Lambs. He's only in that movie for ten minutes, and yet yeah. that's the only thing anyone ever talks about is that particular well, and, sequence. More than that, more than more than Lecter, it, it's it kind of reminds me of uh, uh, Orson Welles always talked about why he liked playing uh, Harry Lyme in The Third Man because you're basically you're only in a quarter of the movie, but the rest of the movie they're talking about you. They're, they're, you're the that's you're the guy <laughs> yeah. they're talking about, you know. Um, and yeah. Summer Isle kind of has a very similar feel to it because he's always referred to, and that's why it's so shocking if you've never seen this movie how nice and polite and sort of like benign mm-hmm. he is, but yet he yeah. because of it's Christopher Lee and he's the way he performs it. Probably, yeah. I mean, granted, he probably did do this around the same time he made this movie. There is a little bit of that Bond villain vibe going on. Christopher Lee also did Man with the Golden Gun sometime uh-huh. in, with Brett the early 70s. Probably, so right. probably a year yeah. or two after this. With Brett well, Eklund, he, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He's very congenial in this. That's the thing. He's, he comes across very slick and very friendly. Yeah. Uh, my wife described him as sexy, which I thought was very <laughs> funny. Because she <laughs> didn't... Uh, I didn't pick up on that one, but uh, I guess I'm going to accept her... Uh, her opinion on that because she picked me too so I'm not going to argue too much <laughs> uh, that, that, I mean that wig is quite a quite yeah, a wig. yeah you both do have like a very yeah. low baritone voice so I mean I could kind of you know I, you know well um, it's funny I think the thing I always have the theory on is it's because he has that whole scene where he kind of does like a twisted sister like heavy metal vibe where he puts on like he he dresses up as uh G- Judy, I believe, from the Punch and Judy. Is that that's the- right, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I was, yeah. So he he dresses up as Judy. He has long black hair and painted face. So he looks almost exactly like most death metal bands. It's a it's an interesting, <laughs> weird little crossover. Um. Well, I mean, I kind of I, I I've got all I wanted to say. If you guys want to move on yeah. to overall thoughts, I know. Um, I mean, it's worth noting. Obviously, Judy being the counterpart of Punch, Punch, in Punch and Judy show, right? So Which is actually mm-hmm. an English tradition, not necessarily a Scottish tradition. If I'm not, that's what I read anyway. Um, but I mean, unless you guys got anything else, I, I think I could give my overall impression of it. Um, uh, yeah, we could move on to final thoughts if everybody's. Yeah. Okay. Space. All right. Um, well, I, I guess I'll go first since I went first in this round. Um, I'll pretty fucking good movie. Um, pretty fucking good. I mean, not without its flaws, but you know, it's pretty effective in this movie. I, it's it's definitely a movie of its time. Like I think even more so than Don't Look Now and Phantasm. Don't Look Now a little bit with the ESP and Phantasm, sort of the low budget chicness of it. Um, Wicker Man is a commentary about culture clashing, and they're just. West at least is getting out of this whole love generation thing and so this is kind of a reflection on that in some respect but it's a it's a very terse but atmospheric psychedelic panic um you know like the way the movie paces itself increases your own sense of danger you know you never really feel like the sense of danger is real until and then it's kind of creeps up and in. then by the time you realize the sense of danger is real it is far too late there is no going back you're fucked um so yeah i mean fucking good movie yeah yeah uh, uh i guess i would make me second uh since uh that is the order that we do these things in um so i agree with a lot of what russell says yeah i think the build is excellently done here in terms of both uh you and this cop understanding first that something is off about the community and then a little bit more off and then that perhaps the danger that you had assumed was being placed on this little girl is in fact upon you like it's beating down your doorstep and you didn't even realize it like I think that build is great I think it's like super well done I think the movie holds up pretty goddamn well all these years later uh, 50, over 50, no, uh, nearly 50 years later. Um, uh, yeah, I think, uh, for the, the, the major issues I had with the first two, I just did, had, did not have as much with this movie, like straight up. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Uh, I think this is a fun one. I think it's worth revisiting. If we manage to keep this podcast going until next Halloween, however, 
Uh, I think I'm going to have to resolve myself to pick something that's a little bit more straight up a horror film. Because I think, yeah, I think we, mm-hmm. think we lowballed yeah. it a little bit yeah. this time. I was to say, I, I yeah. think my pick was the only actual straightforward fucking horror movie. Yeah. Um, we went, yeah, we went a little true. bit too, like, film snob, psychological. Uh, maybe yeah. it was because we got that random role of, like, the 60s and 70s. So we were uh-huh. like, we right. can't just pick Texas yeah. Chainsaw. Right, yeah. <laughs> Jaws, yeah, was, what are we well, thinking? Yeah, that's kind of what I felt, too, because it was like, there's a bunch of them that I could have picked, but it's like, I, I really have to have like an off-ball, uh, uh, like an oddball, off-the-wall category for me to jump for that, because these, it's like, I, of course, picked this one, because it's my favorite, one of my favorite films, so yeah. I couldn't really not pick it. But Fair yeah. enough. As I, I mentioned, thoughts- I, I considered doing uh, Black Christmas right when the topic came up, and then I was like, nah, I feel like I gotta do something... <laughs> That feel that didn't feel quite right for whatever reason. But yeah, uh, Chris, if, yeah. uh, well, it's funny because if you, if you'd picked out um, Black Christmas, I might have accidentally picked out Don't Look Now. So <laughs> you, you set up your own trap. There you go. Um, for me, this is one of my favorite films. I watch it every Halloween, so I just had to pick it. Um, I've always loved Ed Woodward in this, um, and uh, I of course everybody loves Christopher Lee, so. Uh, there's nothing really to fault in this movie. Uh, I love the fact that it still stands up. I love the fact that it's still weird uh, English people in an odd community because that's something that I never get to see. Like we we go out into the country here and we have kind of you know rednecks or as I would call them family um, <laughs> off in the sticks. And uh, so what happens is is that uh, it's interesting to see that sort of a comparative view of it. Um, whereas later you see things where people over there see our people in the sticks is sort of monstrous monstrous and scary with john borman directing deliverance mm-hmm. um, was gonna be one of my picks too by the way yeah that's a horror movie yeah um so yeah this is one of my favorite ones uh i would recommend it to everybody it stands up don't watch the remake uh God, and, i think we uh, made that clear put a big nuclear yeah. sign yeah. on it <laughs> well a lot of people actually have yeah. not seen this one yet so i'd still remake, suggest it the remake has a certain like good bad status uh, that's true depending on who you are. There's the famous Not the Bees sequence. Yeah, it's become like uh, a meme. It ends with Nick Cage punching more than a few women in the face. Um, but uh, when we watched it, it was like, oh, this feels more toxic than fun in mm, the writer's yeah. ideology. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's also funny. Yeah, especially having that one in place with it being a Neil Labute film now like understanding that in terms of the whole of war uh all right how you however you pronounce that au revoir um but yeah the uh at the end of the day this is just my favorite so we can probably Oeuvre, go into the, think, the numbers uh, Oeuvre, there we go yeah i hate that word it's so hard uh, i i want to say two things before we go into the voting thing though i i, I should have included in my final thoughts but i'm a i'm a sloppy a sloppy idiot um first i came down a little hard I liked all three of these films. Um, I think like the degree to which I would be willing to watch each of them again varies. Uh, I think like, for instance, I don't think Phantasm is a better film than Don't Look Now, although I would probably rewatch Phantasm before I would rewatch Don't Look Now. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, I'm glad I saw three of them. I think there's great things in all three of them. I don't want to make it sound like I was like two of these movies sucked and one of them was great. I think it was a pretty <laughs> right. solid No, round. no. Yeah. <laughs> and no, also, I, no. you might be hearing thunder on my end. I guess the weather is corresponding with our theme of horror movies, but <laughs> apologies. <laughs> we're at well, the climax have, of the round. Yeah, the, the, yeah. We're in the, the atrium and, and, and Detective mm-hmm. Clouseau is about to reveal... Who I, out, out, being in LA, I'm more excited about the fact that you actually had weather. <laughs> that there's actually things happening in the sky when you look outside, as opposed to just fire slowly drifting through the distance, or yeah, you know. And now, ash. My, I, I also have one more point to give away. I have 13 mm. points. At this point, you both have 12. Mm-hmm. There's nothing scarier to me than 13 points. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give mine to one of you, so you can also have 13 points. I'm gonna go okay. with. This was Chris's pick. This was Chris's episode. I'm going to give mine to his, but to him. <laughs> Thank you. Case. Thank you, sir. Fair I enough. Will, yeah. now, that, now that you mentioned the thing with math, I suddenly had to redo some math in my head. So I have my cards ready, though, uh, as soon as I'm done saying this phrase. Okay, we're all set to go now, guys. All righty. I am ready. So we'll start with Phantasm, then? 
We will start yeah. All right. with Phantasm. Okay. Are we ready? Yes, sir. Okay. Three, two, one, go. That's a four okay. all the way around. Uh, all right. Four is across the board. All right. And so I guess that means that we should probably go chronologically and go ahead and go with Don't Look Now next. Three, two, one, go. All right. I gave it a four. Looks like Zach gave it a, f- a four. I got a three. All right, so that's uh, that's out out of contention, and I think uh, by the basic uh, principles of math, <laughs> I have a strong suspicion that I know what's going to win here. All right, well, uh, I guess uh, we should probably bring up the big board for Wicker Man. <laughs> Three, right. two, one, and wins it by a landslide. Yeah, it's going to take our top scores for all three of us. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. I so think I guess Chris's. Math was wrong, but that's okay. I think you gave a four, a four, and a six, which uh, is 14 points. (laughs) One of them was a three. Okay, so I'll just say that I... uh, Well, actually, no, I'll just say uh, 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 the Wicker Man got five. There we go. Okay, the math makes sense now. That's the exact same mistake I did. I made this six card for Wicker Man, and I was like, oh, wait. This is not correct math. That was better than the one I did for the shitty cops one, because that was when we had the first one where we actually had to add points. It would have won either Uh way. It did not. uh, It did not. Yeah. So Wicker Man is, is the favorite of all three of us. It is the clear winner. That means Chris wins a bonus movie. He could pick any fucking movie he wants. Make us watch and it. We have no recourse. We can say whether we liked it or not, but it has no bearing on the round. It's just him being able to either treat us or torture us, depending on his inclination. And I think today what I'm going to do is something that I think it's actually a good movie. However, I'm going to spring it on you without any sense of what yeah, you're going to be no able to find in it. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to do it today. Yeah. But. Well, no, I'll do it right now. But I'm saying oh, okay. I'm not giving you any sense of what it's about or I'm going to ask that you don't research anything about it if you can. Done. Okay. The, because the you movie? already are picking our next theme. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. I have to say what the next theme is, too, right? Yeah, we're doing that now. And pick the movie for that theme. So do both. You you have the power okay. to do both right now. Okay, so the ne- the theme for the next go-around is going to be political but, thrillers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the next... Which one did you want, Zach? Oh, no, you did good. You're doing good. You're doing good. <laughs> I'm just saying you pick the order in which we watch these things because you have all okay. the power right now. You are a dictator. Okay. That's right. Okay. Okay, here's the deal. The next, this is the uh, waning... The, the when next... our listeners are listening to this, this okay. is... Hopefully the waning days of the Trump administration and you, yes. my friend, you are the Donald Trump of yeah. this podcast. I, I, <laughs> oh, God. Going to remove I'm all the, the post offices. You're going to take uh, away all the post boxes. Uh, so uh, on this one, for the random win pick that I get to do, we are going to go with Border. This is a 2018 film Border. directed by Border. B-O-R-D-E-R. It is a 2018 Swedish film by Ali... Abasi, and uh, it's uh, based off a story um, from the same writer as Let the Right One In. Okay. And that is all I will tell you about it, and I will then ask... I believe that writer also wrote the movie, uh, the the book that the the Snowman, the uh, terrible... I believe he also wrote that book. Yeah, Yeah, so it's not bulletproof, but it is what it is. (laughs) Um, I'm going to suggest... Uh, you guys tell me what the genre of this movie is. I would be curious about that. Okay. So, uh, and I guess since I get to announce the theme for the next Honest to God go-around, uh, I'm going to say political thrillers. And uh, do I announce the first one? Yeah, I announced yep. the first one. Uh, we're going to watch The Parallax View. Because okay. I have not seen it, and everybody in the last couple weeks has been suggesting The Parallax View as a great movie. So I'm super curious. Uh, all I know is that it stars uh, uh, Warren Beatty. Okay. Uh, okay, so let me ask you this follow-up question. Which of these two films are we watching first, Chris? That oh. is your decision to make. Go ahead, and we are going to watch Border first. Okay. 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 All right, so uh, in that case, uh, we'll watch two Border Two weeks next of time. Border of two 
picks, two <laughs> Borif <laughs> movies back to yeah. back. God so damn. Be, uh, three. You're talking. This week yeah. was a Chris yes. pick. Too. That's true. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, we might mix up how we have people actually do the recaps of the movies. That's the one suggestion <laughs> I would make for the next. You'll, you can forward. just shape up, Mister. Hey, heavy oh, well, is the head that wears the that's crown. True. I understand. Yeah. I understand. I gotcha. <laughs> that's right. King for a day, <laughs> fool at yeah. the sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, yeah, we, that's true. When we get into the political thriller uh, genre, that'll be uh, Russell will have the second pick and all of the last one will okay. uh, be super timely and that we'll be releasing those after the election is over. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll probably record them before the election happens. Right, so they'll be so, full yeah. of optimism and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be full of us saying, wouldn't it be crazy if something happened and then by, by the, the time, time you hear it, it, you'll be like, oh, you poor, poor <laughs> summer children. Sorry, we've your already put grandma came. on the trains. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Yep. Well, that's as good as a note any to wrap this up. This has been a fun, spooky edition of the movie Trap um, yeah. with um, a pretty surprising batch of films that, uh, yeah, you know, considering were, yeah. the, the golden picks we could have picked, I think we did a little, a little deeper little touches. The, the thriller, psychological horror side, yeah. but, you know, to be fair, we, we, in some of our early runs, had some pretty horror-adjacent movies. That's true. Yeah. I feel like we have not shied away from the genre, so... Mine at least had a monster. Yeah, yeah. well, these are mildly tame. I, I imagine that we're going to watch something a little more intense very soon. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. Should be fun. <laughs> but, yeah, this has been great. Um, um, and we are out on every possible platform. You can catch us anywhere. Please subscribe if you can. Put a like or a heart or whatever it is in your particular version of social media help it would be and for me uh that's gonna be signing off everybody have a great night this has been chris uh it's been russell thanks for listening and this has been zach we'll see you next time with our special one-off border episode chop 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 chop